again we open up the Word of God with Deuteronomy chapter 23. As we look upon this great study in the church covenant, it's a study that has blessed many souls who have really taken and considered what God's Word teaches about the vow that we are under. That vow actually begins in the very first paragraph of the church covenant. That vow reads, having been led as we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and on the profession of our faith having been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we do now in the presence of God, the angels, and this assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. Tonight, as we open up this portion of our study, we're going to be dealing with the vow that we vow. Tonight, as we understand the concept of coming into the church, there is a there is a direct there is a direct assembly being brought to our attention in the fact that there is a special vow that we vow between ourselves and our God. That's something that needs to be really considered and really thought about. As I opened up tonight, I mentioned the sermon, Reformed Worship. I believe worship as it is today in many cases is done with an attitude of there is nobody else but us here. Many times people sing the songs that they sing without ever knowing in their heart and in their mind that God is in this place. That the holy angels of heaven inquire into our worship hour. And our worship as we sing ought to be songs that come from our hearts and our minds realizing that we're singing to the Almighty as He as he's promised in His Word, where two or three are gathered in my name, He says, I'll be in the midst. We are promised He'll never leave us nor forsake us. We understand that He's in this house tonight. We understand that He views the hearts and minds of every individual that's gathered here. Now folks, I don't know about you, but that puts me on alert. It makes me consider my motives makes me consider my thought process. It makes me rethink why I'm actually here. And that I'm not just a preacher or a pastor, but I'm actually here as a spokesman of God. And that you're actually here as a worshiper of He who has saved you and made you a part of this wonderful work. It is He that has done so. We'll look, look at that next week. But I want you to really consider that first paragraph. 
that we most solemnly enter into covenant with one another and with the God of heaven. Deuteronomy speaks of it in this sense in verse 21 of chapter 23. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. But if thou shalt forbear to vow, it shall be no sin in thee. You know, to a lot of people today, membership, they can take it or leave it. Being a member and a part of the Lord's true church. As I spoke to Brother Carter the other night about the church covenant here, about the trail of blood the history of the, the Baptist church as it goes all the way back through the dark ages and all the way into the times when there was no other, there was no other church, so to speak, but that which the Lord set up and the holy apostles began to, to rear up. And that in the first century of that church there was there were inconsistencies began to creep in. There were untruths began to be brought out. And that's where the irregular churches began to come in, which began to, to eventually form the Roman Catholic Church in which all Protestant churches come out of. I remind you, Baptists, that you're not Protestant. I remind you who are Members of this body, you're not Protestant. And it is, a, it is a very serious thing to me when somebody asks me of my standing in the religious realm. They will ask you immediately, you're either Catholic or you're Protestant. Which are you? I say, I'm neither, I'm Baptist. According to the teachings of the church, and according to the doctrines that we still stand for, we are the same church that the Lord Jesus Christ established when he was with his apostles back in the book of Matthew. When he spoke to Peter and the rest of the men that were there, and he said, Who do men say that I am? And upon that request of, of, of what he was saying unto them, he established his church. Speaking of Peter and the little stone and the Petra, the, the bedrock or the foundation rock, Jesus Christ. It is a very special thing to be a part of God's true church. And again, there's a lot of people who take the vow that we vow very lightly, but I am not one of those people. I think it is a very serious thing to take a vow of even, even a vow of celibacy spiritually, how that we are one body and we do not adulterate ourselves by going to 
other bodies, so to speak. But here the Bible says in verse 23, That which is gone out of thy lips, thou shalt keep and perform even a free will offering, according as thou hast vowed unto the Lord thy God, which thou hast promised with thy mouth. Our most gracious and divine Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come once again, realizing that you're already in our midst, I pray, dear God, that the songs that have been sang tonight have brought glory to your name. And I pray, Father, that each and every congregant gathered here has done so with the attitude of worship, realizing that you're in this place. Father, as we look upon the vow that we vow when we come into the church, help us to realize, dear God, the seriousness and the privilege of being called a member of the Lord's true church. Father, I pray that you'll move upon every member. I, I pray, dear God, that you would cause others that are not here tonight to realize what they're missing out on. Father, I pray that your name would be lifted up in all that's said and done here tonight. Help us to learn. Lord, encourage our hearts. Help us, dear God, to remain faithful to the end. Forgive us, Lord, our sin in Jesus Christ's name and amen. I go back and I, I, I lay claim, so to speak, in a spiritual way, and I take nothing away from the United States Marine. But when we look at the word simplify, I think about faithful till the end. Faithful to the end. And I believe that's what every born again member of uh, the Lord's true church ought to be. Faithful to the end. Emmanuel, our intention with this study is to compel our younger generations about the importance of their loyalty to God's word and to his church. And I wrote down in this, oh, how we all could benefit from a study such as this. Oftentimes we become complacent in our loyalty and our devotion to the greatest institution upon the face of the earth, that is the institution known as the Lord's true church. This is all going to be to every one of us. Not just our younger generation, but it's to the, all of us, the old as well as the young. Because sometimes I think that we do lose track of the seriousness of what we do here. We forget that we entertain angels unawares. We forget that the Holy Spirit is moving in and out of these pews and up and down this aisle to open our ears and to view our hearts, to see the seriousness of what we do here. My desire is that we all might learn the duty of each one of us as church members. What are we saying when we ascribe to the notion of being a church member? What, what are we saying when we speak about members in particular, as I spoke of a couple of weeks ago? 
Well, first of all, it's being a part of the Lord's true church. In Matthew chapter 16, if you go back here for just a moment, our brother Jim this morning brought us a very, a very great lesson on when the church was actually started and when it was not started. Many today will go to the book of Acts and they will begin in, the verse cha- in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and they'll say and prove by that that that's when the church started. But that's not when the church started. As a matter of fact, Matthew's accord, uh, account of this tells us that there were other things already transpiring in the, in the church's life. There was, there was gathering togethers. They were... They were business in business meetings. They had, they had partaken the Lord's Supper. And all these things were because of what was already taking place. In Matthew chapter 16, I want you to look here at verse 13 to begin with. We'll read down through verse 20. The Bible says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Now, these are people that have already been dealt with by God. The Lord Jesus Christ has already touched their hearts. And he says, verse 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, For flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. This is what you are part of here at Emmanuel. Here at the Emmanuel Missionary Baptist Church or any other church of like faith and order, you are part of the Lord's true church. This is the Lord's church. And this is the church that had its start with Matthew 16, not in Acts chapter 1 or Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches there that the church was empowered during that time. That's the reason why that the Lord told uh, those those apostles, listen, you all... Hold your ground in Jerusalem. You stay right here until you be endued with power from on high. You see, that's what the Pentecost was all about. It wasn't about the beginning of the church. I remember some years ago, we used to have a banner in the prayer room and and it was a timeline what it was. And I was following it one day and I come all the way over to 
to the book of Acts and there it said this is where at Pentecost was when the church was was uh, started and I, I got my pen and I marked it out and I said no we go back to Matthew 16 and that was on there for a long time I, matter of fact I don't know whatever happened to that banner but but that was one one thing that I was listen I want you to understand we didn't begin at Pentecost the church was already in existence. God had already set up the church as the Lord Jesus Christ called His disciples. He gave them uh, his, their marching orders. And in Matthew, matter of fact, in Matthew 28, and you see there in verses 18 through 20, when Jesus Christ gave the, the disciples at that time their, their, their marching orders to go forth and to preach the gospel to baptize those that were saved and to teach him the all things, he was telling them that that's what we were to do. You go back to the book of Acts in chapter 2. The Bible declares that they, these continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Now I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Brother Jim mentioned this this morning, that actually teaches us that there this this continuance here, the Bible says they continued, speaks of something that was already transpiring in the past. They continued on. Now, this is an act of continuance, an ongoing progress. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter two and verse one, you see it again. Where, where we see this very, this very thing where the church was, was still going on. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were already gathered when Pentecost came about. Again, the church that you're part of is and has been since the establishment of Matthew chapter 16. Now, secondly, I want you to think about this, this covenant that we covenant together. And in order to get the gist of what the church covenant is all about, we have to realize what the word covenant really actually means. We go to the dictionary and it is defined as this in the first definition. It's a solemn agreement that is binding on all parties. Sounds about like what the Baptist church is enjoying today. The fourth definition is like this. Agree in covenant to promise someone something in a covenant. So we go back and we think about this vow that we're under. The, the, the church covenant here, as we look at it, after being saved and added to the church in the presence of God and the angels in this assembly, most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. Folks, I want you to know something. And I was talking to the Carters about this as well. Listen, I want what I want in this church is what God puts here. We'll go over that next week, but having been led by the Spirit means something to me. That is something special, being led or placed in a certain area at a certain time of your life. 
It's a time when God says to you, okay, it's time to come. That's the reason why that I never coerced this family into coming here. I, I, never, I, I never went to them begging them saying, listen, this is where I think you need to be. No, I want them to know it's where God wants them, not me. And I told you that, didn't I, brother? I don't want to be the one to say you belong here. I want God to tell you that. Because it makes your solemn valve so much easier to get a hold of. When you realize that you're doing this for God and not a man, it makes a difference in what you do in the house of God. So in Psalm 76 and 11, the very first part of that says, Vow and pay unto the Lord your God. Let's go back to Deuteronomy for just a moment and look in our text. Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 21 down through verse 23, and here again, well, I'm going to stick with verse 21. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. When we as a people realize that when we break a vow, when it concerns this body, we're actually sinning against the holy God of heaven. The, 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 the very God that placed you here, the very God that drew you unto himself, the very God that placed you in, an, in, a, in a setting where you could hear the gospel, number one, be saved by God's grace, and then drawn to a place where he can use you. You're sinning against that God when you don't pay your vow. You see, a valve is, is something very, very special to me. And it ought to be to you. I, I look at us, I look at you husbands and wives, and you know, upon your marriage ceremony, you take a vow to each other. You're promising faithfulness to that individual. You're promising not just faithfulness, but you're promising truthfulness. You're promising uh, the ability to aid and to help and to restore one another. That's what you vow when you marry your husband or your wife. You know, I've had, I've had people to try to tell me, well, now I want this out of it. I don't want to take, I don't want that vow of use. I don't want this or that. Listen you want to do what's right by the Lord? You do what the Lord wants. The Lord's got in His book exactly what He wants and how He wants it. When it comes to the house of God, I believe that He considers us to be a part of this body, just like, just like the, the Bible tells us, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. You know what He done for it? He died for it. Folks, when we vow a vow, we're vowing that we're going to do everything in our power to protect this body. We're going to do everything in our power to, to, to make sure that she has everything she needs. You see, there's a lot of things that come into that valve when you really open it up and begin to explore it. When you're promising to sustain the worship as we are going to here shortly, when you promise you're going to sustain the worship hour, you promise that you're going to give 
for the benefit of this church. That you're going you're gonna to give an offering. You're going to do that which enables this church to do what she does. We do think about this word here. When thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it will be sin in thee if you do forget to do that. Listen, if you begin to think that our membership doesn't really mean anything, I believe it would be sin to your eyes. Because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, I believe it's verse 25, not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a man or some man. Folks, that's a vow that we take that we're going to be faithful to the house of God. We're going to be faithful to its worship. You know why? Because God says, I promise I'm going to be there with you and I'm going to receive your worship. That's the reason why that, yeah, I preach an awful lot on faithfulness. I preach a lot on loyalty to the church because I believe it's the right thing because God's Word says so. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is. In Ecclesiastes in chapter 5, if you'll turn there with me for just a moment, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, we'll begin reading here at verse 4 and read down through verse number 7. I'm going to have to quit taking my glasses off because I'm filling them up with spit. (laughs) Brother John, you're far enough away. The Bible says in verse 4 of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for ye have no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. You know, I go back and I think about this thing that you hear all the time. And about Christmas time, you get your, your uh, uh, maybe you've got a note out on a car or something like that. And they'll send you something to defer that payment for that month so you can spend it on other things. Defer the payment. You know, God says, don't defer your payment to me. And I'm not talking about money here. I'm talking about your vow. Don't defer your vow. When you vow a vow to God, when you come into the house of God and you take a solemn oath to to be what you need to be for the glory of God as a member of this body. He said, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay it. Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Oh, I messed up on that, didn't I? You know, I believe sometimes people want you to think that. They, they actually made a mistake when they come into the church. Folks, I want you to know something. If you're saved by the grace of God and God has placed you in this place, you've been baptized into this body. Listen, you have taken a vow that you're going to be that you're going to be celibate to, and to only this church. You're going to be faithful to this church. You're going to be loyal to this church. I believe in church loyalty. I believe you ought to be faithful to the church that you're a member of. And I believe you ought to serve in the church that you're a member of. I believe you ought to do those things to encourage the body. You see, you're... 
You're working to promote this body when you're faithful in its attendance. When you're faithful in its worship. When you're faithful in your giving, you are actually promoting this church body as a whole. So I go back to <clears throat> verse Verse number 6 again, it says, Suffer not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands? For in the multitude of dreams and many words there are also diverse vanities, but fear thou God. You know, I would to God today that men would just fear God instead of fearing other things. Fearing, fearing things that will not satisfy. You know, you know. I hear people say, "Well, so and so wants me to do this or do that." Listen, you don't worry about what so and so. You worry about what God wants in your life. That's what you need to worry about. What has God told you? What has God spoke to you about, even in this house right now tonight? And I know when we start dealing with the subject of, uh, of the church covenant, there's people that always tend to get their feathers ruffled up. You just pay attention to what God says through the church covenant in this word right here because I'm going to bring you verbatim. Every paragraph comes right out of the word of God. You cannot argue with God. This is, this is not man-made. You know, I hear people... People used to come to me and say, well, I can't join your church because you have a man-made document up there you want us to stand by. It's not a man-made document. A man might have wrote it out, but listen, it all comes from the Word of God. This is a serious thing. Your membership is serious. And I know there's people tonight that don't, they don't take too much to that. There's a lot of people tonight that don't take to being told that they're wrong when they're wrong. There's a lot of men tonight who, uh, who are walking in sin that, you know, you, you pointed out, listen, but they'll get upset with you. That, that's all right. It's God that they're actually upset with. It's not you. It's God. It's His Word. It's His voice. We covenant together certain actions and loyalties when we come into the church by baptism, which is the only way you can enter into the Baptist church. There must be scriptural baptism. And in our future studies, we will begin in earnest next week, God willing, to teach what exactly we are coveting together about. Just what is expected of each and every one of you? What's expected of you as a member of this body? What's expected of the mothers? What's expected of the fathers in here? What do we expect of our children? Just how are we to fulfill our oath to God and to each and every member which makes up this church? And every true church which still follows the doctrines and articles of faith which was once delivered to the saints of Christ by Christ and the apostles. What about every blood-bought member of every doctrinally sound church and every man of God since? Matthew 28, and I'm going to come to a close here. In Matthew chapter 28, 
The Bible says in verse 16, this is where the great commission begins to happen. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Just like today, isn't it? There are some still doubt. There are some that even doubts that the Holy Spirit is in this place. How do I know that? Because you know that by people's attitudes when they come to the worship house. You know it by people's feelings and, and their speech. It betrays them from time to time. Listen, this is not a make-believe thing that we do here. This is real. This is something that I really believe that the Holy Spirit is in this place. And I really believe that He's watching our every move. I believe He watches our heart. I believe He watches our mind as we worship to see the, the effectiveness of His Word upon us. Do we really believe what we hear? Or do we think it's just something that is old school, it's old fashioned? People of long ago used to believe that. Today people don't believe a whole lot of the Word of God's had to say. But folks, I want you to know God's in this place. He's here right now. We have made a vow that we're going to worship. We're going to serve the Lord in this house. Matthew 28, again the Bible says in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations. That is, preach the gospel. Baptizing them, those that are saved, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them then to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you all, even to the end of the world. Amen. <clears throat> Folks, do you believe what God's Word actually says? When we come into this house, we have taken a vow that we're going to worship that means our hearts and our minds have to be in tune with what is being said. It has to be. Or else it's going in one ear and out the other and nobody is affected. That's the reason why that many times true revival never takes place in a church because people don't expect it. They don't seek it. They don't come into the house of God with an understanding that they have made a vow unto that God. And they have promised to uphold certain things that ought to make our spiritual well-being super hot. There should never actually ever really come to a need of real revival. God's people should always be in a state of revival, a state of happiness, I mean, that's what real revival looks like, people that are happy. They're happy in the Lord. They're happy in His Word. Now, I'm not saying that His Word doesn't sometimes prick us like a goad on an ox's, on the whip of an ox's handler or upon the train as 
as they are hooked up to it and they have those sharp goads at the foot of it to keep them from kicking against it. You know, a lot of times we're like oxen. We like to kick against that which does not satisfy the flesh. And all the time, God's Word doesn't always satisfy the flesh. It hurts us sometimes. And that's when we go to kicking against it. And that's where God says, I've got goads placed in there just to keep you from kicking against my Word and my truth. I believe that God wants His church to be just like it was the day that He left here. You know, I don't know. I don't know how far the church has strayed. But I know as I look at God's Word, we strive to stay with what He had pinned down for us that He had preserved in His book. When people look at me and they say, listen, I don't trust that old Bible. You know, there are a lot of people today that truly do not have anything for the Word of God. They say that man has messed with it. You know what? If I lose faith in this old book, I ain't got nothing to stand on. I believe this is the preserved Word that God has given His people for today. And I believe it's been preserved for people just like us. That we may learn of it and we may grow from it. I pray that through this study that we will really understand the necessity to understand the vow that we take when we enter into covenant with this body. With God and with the angels. How serious that this actually is as we come into this house. This is God's meeting house. This is the place where he says, I'll be with you. Now, I've preached in a lot of places over my days. And I've been in a lot of places where I fell like the Holy Spirit wasn't there. I've been in places where people acted just, it blow my mind as I'm standing and trying to preach a revival message and people that are just standing and they're, they're zooming on their phone or whatever they do. I had to stop service one night in one particular church. I wouldn't go any further until the phones were put down. That's awful. Folks, I want you to know something. It's a serious thing to be in God's house. It's a privilege. It's a privilege that we ought to really take serious. And I know, I, know, I know our church family, and I know you do take it serious. But I need these little ones to know how serious it is. I need our young teenage men who are coming into prayer room now. I need them to know how serious it is. It's, it's not a game. This is real. This is our time to make sure our vow is practiced. And to make sure that our vow is kept. These young men need to understand what it really means to be a part of it, the Lord's true church. And may God help us to, to, to be that example and to be that leader. May the Lord bless this church. May, the, may God grant unto each family here the salvation that's needed. Let's all stand, please.